1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 32. Going to catch you up the best we can on the craziness that is this MLB hot stove. Uh, someone said it was back in, like, February when Machado signed last year, so we had to wait till then. No, that did not happen this year. Lots of early Christmas presents for a lot of people around baseball. So we'll get to each and every one of those moves. You can find me, though, first on Twitter, at Mediantric. And my co-host, no, that is not Joe Burrow with the Yeti mic in front of him. That is Mr. Ryan Bloomfield on Twitter, at Ryan BHQ. Ryan, how we do doing, man? we are we are doing we are we 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 prep for this one pretty pretty hardcore
2: i think we've got like 35 or 40 different different items to cover so we're gonna go quick hit just try and get through as much as possible and i guess the thought is if you listen to us for an hour you'll be all caught up that's Um, the goal but honestly like if if this was, I mean, think back to a year ago when there was just absolutely nothing. There was no winter meetings. There was no transactions. I would much rather be uh prepping furiously for a wave of moves like we are this year than uh
1: what we were going through last year. So I'm excited, man. Because yeah, this will be great because the holidays come up soon and it's hardcore draft season and prepping. Like we don't have that empty void of what are we going to talk about for like a month and going from there. It's perfect.
2: Have, have you, have you
1: held off on additional drafts since, since our I'm, Thursday I, episode? I, I said outside of like an occasional gladiators. Cause it goes, th- I'm only doing live gladiators. If I do one, I'm not doing a slow one. So I might sign up for one. Honestly, Wednesday night, I'm debating it. going to be the little one's going to be uh, somewhere else. So I might I have the empty house. I might jump in a gladiator Wednesday night. Otherwise I told myself one draft at a time, one at a time. I am currently around 49 of my NFPC 50. There's a good chance I'll be signing up for my second one tomorrow. So awesome. um, it, I, I'm still holding to my guns though. I'm, I'm slowly getting it through instead of a million drafts at the same time.
2: I, I have when held are, off. When are you starting? Yeah, I don't know. I, I said January. The big thing is like, we're going out of town for Christmas for yeah. like a week. So that, that kind of makes it, I'm obviously I'm not, well, I shouldn't say obviously <laughs> pretty hardcore. So I'm not, I am not going to draft while i'm on vacation but it does kind of split up like if i wanted to start a draft champions i kind of need to do it right now so i don't know i don't know maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll jump in a draft together starting tomorrow or something when you're you just let me know
1: i'm always i'm always down like that's my debate is you know the holidays coming up i don't want to be that guy it's like i gotta go to the bathroom oh I i gotta go do this just to make your draft picks over and over again so yeah yeah no i'm gonna Can i wait another
2: week maybe yeah i'm gonna unplug pretty pretty hard and then when we get back on we're flying back on new year's we're going down arizona nice Um, flying back on new year's and then we'll be we'll be ready to
1: roll so let's just get to it now are we getting some barbecue when we're in arizona (laughs) um probably this
2: is tucson so Yeah, yeah It's worth the drive. (laughs) No, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm not going back up to Little Miss Barbecue. As much as 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 fun as that was with you, it's got to be
1: an F pass tradition. I got you. Yeah, we'll
2: keep it. We'll keep it
1: F pass only. Oh wow. Oh wow. Sorry, I have to announce it. I think I just got to notice that um, Carlos Correa, 13 years, 350 million dollars with the Giants. On live on the air, folks. 13 years, 350 Uh, million dollars. Passing? Passing. Confirmed. Yeah, it's confirmed. I got a text message while you are oh. talking. Oh, God damn it. Why <laughs> You're not happy. You're not I happy? Want, I don't want 13 years of Carlos Correa. 13 years? Like literally, oh, he can't get judged. Let's yeah. give the money to Correa. I don't mind Correa. I literally had this conversation with two other guys earlier today that between Swanson and Correa, Correa scares me because of the length of the deal. 13 years, he'll be 41 years old. 41. Tell me when that ever works out for anybody.
2: It doesn't. Um, let's see how it's, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, I mean, unless you're like, well, no, it really doesn't unless you're <laughs> Nelson Cruz, maybe, but, um, yeah, Correa, this will be his age 28 season. So, so I guess we're going right into the, the, analysis. Yeah, we're starting.
1: You got the instant reaction for me right there. You got <laughs> yeah, you it got all the, live on air and, and on video Bubba, like, like keeled back into the how many four of- letter <laughs> words just got stuck in my mouth and not releases is- we
2: are now an explicit podcast that oh, uh, man i mean i dude you gotta they gotta spend you gotta spend no, it's a long time thing. but he'll be yeah he'll be 41 he's aged is age 28 so he'll be 41 mm. when uh when that thing's over yeah, payrolls yeah, I, will payroll the thing with we'll like the, i mean 13 years from now oh, it'll, seem will a, I mean, it'll seem cheap it'll seem
1: cheap yeah. yeah, that's the joke like, I've made with a lot of these. All of these deals we're going to talk about, and we're like, "Oh, it's record." This, yeah, we said that five years ago, and like, like we say it all the time. Like, I like Carlos Correa on the Giants. Big fan of that. I'm not downplaying that. The length of the deal scares me, but you know, maybe there's. I haven't seen like there's maybe opt outs or maybe it's a de-escalating salary. Who knows? Usually it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. But one thing you said is correct. The Giants have to spend. They have a boatload of cash. Yep. And they got it, so go and get it, I guess. Um, I like him and, as a and, player. I'm just yep. terrified, man. This health history and everything, it's just it's a uh, lot I of mean, money.
2: So, and he'll be I, – I think that's a that's a profile that – I mean, who knows how long he'll stay on shortstop. He's played a lot like at of some games point point of he's tears, gonna move on. So, yeah, and I was just going to say, he's 640 plate appearances in yeah. 2021, 590 last year. Like, Correa is pretty durable. And, I mean, they just – that lineup, they need something, man. R- R.I.P. At- my uh, R.I.P. my Brandon Crawford draft champion yeah. one share.
1: Well, like look at that that uh, that profile, like twenty to twenty five homers, hits, you know, two eighty to two ninety. Why didn't you sign Alexander Bogarts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. This is this is my problem. Like I like Correa as a player, but it feels like it feels like we got, got we got caught holding the bag, and now this is all that's left. And let's just spend their money. So, yeah, I hope, I hope, I hope people can be really good with technology and cut all that out and throw it in my face at the end of the year when he was the MVP. Like, do that, but I just don't see it happen. I think, I think he'll
2: be, he'll be fine. And I, I think it's mid thirty. I mean, next five, seven
1: years. I, I mean, who knows after yeah. that? Like, when he tears, be his happy, ACL, man. Be well, happy. Well. No, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. This is me happy. Happy. This I should have brought a noon drink. instead of an energy drink. You're
2: you're happy right like now. you're happy like I was happy uh, last week in the draft when I
1: got autoed Cal Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, instead of it, Jonathan but but on a happy is. face. So. Yes. Okay. Well, Carlos Correa, everybody, to the San Francisco Giants. Um, and one thing I'll mention now is. I don't plan on talking about the years and AAV and all that with these guys because we're a fantasy podcast, unless Ryan wants to bring it up. So I'm not going to go searching for all that fun stuff. But Carlos has literally just popped up 13. No, it's, that's crazy since it just came up and it's your team. Like, yeah, that's, Right out the gate. First thing that. we talk about. Oh, yeah. man. Wow. Okay. Um, let's go to the one that the Giants sh- – I'm glad they didn't also. like These are like the two guys <laughs> I didn't want to get. We got one of the two. Aaron Judge goes back to the New York Yankees basically – the deal the Giants would have given him, the Yankees matched. He went back to New York. He used his childhood team as his pawn in this negotiation, which is dirty, dirty, dirty. Better do a lot of yoga, a lot of yoga, Aaron Judge, because you're going to be like going matrix on this stuff. But Aaron Judge goes back to the Yankees. Why would you not want to go back to the Yankees? That ballpark, just everything about it coming off that year he had. We all know regression's coming. He can't be that good, but he's still going to be pretty darn good. Um, yeah, seems pretty simple, Ryan. Yeah, you call it dirty, but that's pretty smart uh, negotiation. No, it's Marcus. very smart. That was complete I, uh, sarcasm. That's I, I business know. 101 right there. That's that's like the joke when it looks like a guy's deal's almost done, and all of a sudden a mystery team shows up. That's called the uh, agent getting you know, like ten million for you. That's yep. what that was. Yep. <laughs> Old Ol Heyman Hay- Ol tweets out the the mystery team. Um, for
2: Judge. Speaking of Heyman and Judge, but by far probably oh, the best. Oh, God, you had to bring, bring that up now up after the, the Crane deal. let get
1: better and better.
2: Um. Uh, yeah, going back to like him. from a from a fantasy standpoint, judge going back outside of like getting signed by the Rockies, which was never going to happen. This is the best possible thing for his value, just because he's familiar with New York. He's going back to where he was. Really, nothing changes. There was the interesting story, and I don't want to make too big of a deal with it, but um, it was kind of like right around. It was during the winter meetings when the news broke over. Not really the news broke. The study was published of how there were these commemorative baseballs that were these, these Goldilocks balls and it and might've helped. Uh, they were used for like for certain events, but then also a lot of Yankee games down the stretch. I don't know if that really makes any difference. That, that's one that kind of got, got blown out of the water on Twitter that the actual sample size of that study, which it was done by Dr. Meredith Wills, not, not to her fault. Um, MLB would not actually give her, Balls to to study, I think that's so, almost the more like sketchy part of the article. Yeah. I know, I know. For anyone, <laughs> I, I I did um, I did link out to it a, a few days ago. If anyone wants to uh, to read it, but just just interesting how um, there were a, a good amount of Yankee baseballs, at least from the, the small sample that was collected, um, that were used last year. But nothing to really take away from that. Perfect landing spot for Judge. If you were on Judge as a top five pick. Entering free agency, you are even more confident. I think in him in
1: 2023. 100 agree. Like this shouldn't change much. I like Judge a lot. I probably don't have any Judge because he's going super early in drafts right now. But big fan of what he can do. If he can stay healthy, he's been proven to be one of the best guys in baseball when it comes to hitting. That ain't gonna change. Uh, let's go to Trey Turner though, my boy. I'm very very happy. He he basically locks up the second overall pick for me outside of J Ram. We've talked why J Ram a lot recently um but trey to me leaving the dodgers to go to philadelphia which yes is what it is but better ballpark still a pretty good lineup and one thing you're going to mention here again the phillies still run a lot so we might get a the old school trey coming in here running like crazy scoring well over 100 runs this could be a big move for him and i think the power will benefit in that ballpark too
2: yeah, the, the from a so from a park standpoint, it's 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 better. Um, L- L.A. is just the thing with L.A. Like, I mean, the the ideal for Turner would have been signing back in L.A. Just because I don't, I don't think many people realize he had 100 RBI <laughs> last season. Um, that's that's absolutely wild to me. That's not going to happen in Philly. I, I'm I'm guessing he's going to lead off as opposed to hitting second like he did in L.A. behind Mookie Betts and, and not get 100 RBI but still any, any non LA destination, I think Philly is fine. It's a, it's a, it's a good lineup. It'll be a great lineup once uh, Bryce Harper's back second half of the season. And uh, like you hinted at Bubba, they run, I mean, Philly was, and I don't look, I don't look too much at like team wide stolen base totals just because it's hard to parse out how much is that like philosophy or are you not running because you got, you have guys that can't steal, um, but even so, last year the Phillies were the seventh highest in stolen base attempts. So, and you don't you don't sign Trey Turner and not run him. So, um, from that aspect, I think uh, I think this is all systems go for Trey Turner. He is my one or two, um, pretty easily next year, depending on if you like J Ram more or less than Trey Turner.
1: Yep, that's where I'm at, and we've kind of set our piece, and I. You can't go wrong with either. I still think Trey's the big, a beast. Uh, J.R.A.M. for the scarcity, but zero problem with Trey. It's almost just give me the second pick. Let's just give me that, and I'll walk away. So I'm a big fan of that. Pitching, let's get to some big-name pitchers here. Jacob DeGrom, and again, I said I wasn't going to the years and stuff. Five years is surprising. I'll say that much. not going to go into the money, with five years for DeGrom. Does that mean Texas's uh, doctors are very good and know more than we do? Or are they really bad? I just don't care. We'll see. But I think it's safe to say we've said it time and time again that – Per I, I, I per inning per start, Degrom's still the best in baseball, and he's proven it when he's out there. It just can help sustain in this great uh, move to a very nice pitcher's ballpark. Yeah, and like with someone like Degrom, I think you kind of throw out any of the like factors,
2: and I mean the dude is so oh, good yeah, that good it point. really good point. does not matter. Like he's just he's unbelievable. Um, I mean the one thing like and really nothing changes with this signing because of that. You could take it as, okay, Texas just laid out a bunch of money for Jacob DeGrom. He, his medicals, he did, quote-unquote, pass his medicals for whatever that means. Um, we talked about DeGrom in the innings total at the Live First Pitch podcast and kind of had him pegged him around 120 innings. Does this signing give you more confidence that he could go more than 120? Um I I don't know I I'm still penciling him at at 120. I don't think he just suddenly gets healthy magically gets healthy and, and Texas signs him. I still think there's a ton of risk despite the uh, despite the contract. I don't know what you feel about that, Bubba, but there is I think a lot of times something to a team signing somebody and he did pass their medicals. But I think with the Grom, I think Texas is just accepting the risk and hopefully getting the more rewards out of that equation.
1: I think you're right. And I think part of me thinks, and I could be totally wrong pure speculation because I said, Rodon was probably broken because he didn't get his qualifying offer from right. the white Sox. Yep. So kept I kept saying I got, that last year. Yep. So I'm just going to say, like, I could be totally wrong, but it feels like if he was a hundred percent healthy, and, and I know the Mets offered him more money, but they didn't want to give him that extra year that DeGrom wanted. He wanted that year. So maybe there's something there. Maybe the fact that the Mets wanted to offer him the money too says something, but we we also know the Mets medical staff take that with a grain of salt. Um, it's tough. Like you want to trust, it because he's so good. I guess the theory is, and he's still not going super high for Degrom standards. I'll say, he's still going to our next Spencer Strider, which is funny since it's been all over a month since we did that that show. Um, but like I've heard Spore talk about it, and Mason talk about it. they're thinking like one thirty five ish innings. So you're still close. Like that that makes sense. Like was that two more starts maybe? Um, you have to expect him to hopefully get it done. So, when you're drafting him, what I would be thinking is think like recent years, Clayton Kershaw, where you know you're getting like 130 to 140 innings, but those are elite innings. And every year, every year, we make fun of it when you say drop him down in drafts. And then every year, Clayton Kershaw pitches great and he helps fantasy teams because people let him drop in drafts. Now, the Grom's not going to drop like that, so that's why I want to clarify it. But I think mindset going into it, and a great point that uh, Mason made the other day, I'll steal it from him it's like you know we always talk about and you do it really well we talk about middle of the rounds and having plans for drafts if you are going to take Degrom, you almost have to go pocket aces just in case Degrom falters yeah, it's almost like you have here. to have a plan to like secure your ace when you do it so it's kind of something to think about it's going to be hard to pass him up if he keeps sitting in that third round because we know what he can do but the injury risk is a concern i'm not going to deny that so i mean the one long, thing really say concerned
2: i mean yeah the one thing i could say with reasonable certainty is that he's not actively injured or there's nothing structurally wrong or else True. i don't think texas would have yeah, passed the physical extra year so that, that um, i don't know uh, there's so many that this is the beauty of of speculating in the off season. because yes why didn't why didn't the mets go that extra year um maybe they maybe the mets knew they were getting verlander anyway so they just said yep. bye to the ground because they signed verlander like a day or two later so uh, i don't know you can you can Put yourself down many different uh, rabbit holes uh, with with with
1: these things, which is what makes it fun. And Ryan's a professional now, guys. Yeah, been podcasting way, about man. a year, absolute that. professional. There, Justin Verlander gets signed by the Mets. Literally, like as the Mets were screaming into the void, the screams came back real quickly because Verlander goes to the Mets, big boy deal to go join Scherzer there on the top of that rotation, and. I loved Verlander's value last year, not getting it this year. But to me, I have zero concerns. I don't think there's a lot here unless you have something that I don't. I think it's just a beast, going to be a beast. He's a second guy behind Scherzer, potentially in rotation. Like, don't overthink it's the way I see it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, and like I said, we could could analyze him all day if we wanted to. But if you were in on Verlander before the signing, you're in on him now. Like, this move does really nothing to change. His outlook. Maybe a little bit less run support. I mean, the Houston lineup is just is just so good, but the Mets bullpen is fantastic. The Mets Park is much more pitcher friendly. So from an actual like move standpoint, it's pretty lateral. So like I said, if if you're a Verlander guy and he's pretty polarizing given the age and 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 the lower strikeouts and all that stuff, but you can't argue with those ratios and uh and yeah, nothing nothing really changes there. The only the big thing that for me changes is um
1: Peterson, David Peterson. That's what's going to come with this next guy. The next guy, because now Peterson and Miguel, both. like It seemed like Peterson was first before Miguel. Both had chances to jump back in the rotation. But after Verlander, about a week or so later, the Mets side Kode Singa. This is the big pitcher coming out of Japan. Next best pitcher since uh, Otani to come out of Japan. Obviously, I'm not comparing the two, but that's kind of where we're at on this one. Dude's a beast. Can he, He's a high 90s, even get clicks in the low 100s. Got a splitty, got a curveball. He's got the repertoire that most of these Japanese pitchers have. Super effective guy over there. I've heard many mixed reviews um, from people that have scouted him on what to think of him. But um, this is one of those as a Giants fan, when I saw 5 for 75, I'm like, why were we not there on this? But uh, it, it's very interesting. He could slot in as the third through the fifth. That's, it, it, that's how differing the opinions are. On Singer right now is uh, where where is he going to fit? Some people are even crazy enough to say he's just a long man, which I don't see happening. You don't pay him long starting pitcher money. Be a long man, but uh, really, really interesting stuff. Outstanding in Japan, obviously, and yes, R.I.P. Peterson and Miguel until one of the many pitchers gets hurt in New York. That's true. Like
2: well, I'll get to Singer in a second, but uh, <clears throat> maybe this is kind of good news from a fantasy angle for david peterson because i think that adp is gonna head south um he is the sixth or seventh starter on the mets which means he's gonna get a shot at some point um and in the draft and hold if you can take that shot in like the 30th round or whatever that that makes a ton of sense to me so um it yeah it's not so much uh what is it not not goodbye see you later or something like that for peterson i think he'll he'll
1: be back he makes for like like it's always cliche. People hate it, but literally the drop in the the ADP makes him a phenomenal DC pick because you're gonna yep. use him. He I I would put a bet out there. He gets at least ten starts by the end of the season, at least. So I, like that'll that, that'll play in a DC.
2: That will play. I'd take the over on that, especially the second half yeah. of the year when you're just yep. struggling for starting pitching. So yes, Good do board. not give up on David Peterson McGill. Maybe I'm like tarnished from last season, but like I just don't trust the health. Um, I would take Peterson over McGill right now, but, but yeah, either one, uh, they're both going to get their time if they're healthy. Going back to Sengo, like I had his, I had his box in the forecaster, but it's just so hard to, um, to project something. I mean, we, we do translate the. Um, overseas numbers into major league equivalents, which is helpful. And we came up with our, basically our model came up with a projection of like a 360 ERA, 125 whip with a lot of Ks, 27% K yeah. rate for Senga. Um, he's got, he's uh, what makes this. And we talked about this a lot. Um, Bubba is, is the split finger, how that can even add to the variance. If you have feel for it, if you don't have feel for it, we've talked about that with Montas and uh, Kevin Gossman, Senga's a big split finger guy, so that just that kind of just even more accentuates that boomer bust risk reward with him. So um, I don't know. I think treat him as like a number three. If yep. you know, there's obviously room for more if if things work out. But then there's also, you know, a, a, a low floor as
1: well. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. From everything I've read, from a lot of smart smart people, it's the ceiling is an ace. They could have three aces. The floor he could be the long man out of the bullpen of David Peterson starting, like, type stuff. It's it's a wide array with uh, Singa, but the talent is definitely legit. And now you got a Verlander, Scherzer, Singa top three, followed by Carrasco and another guy we'll talk about in Quintana here in a bit. Uh, how about we just talk about him now? Let's just knock out all, all the Mets rotation here. Uh, the Mets bring in Jose Quintana, which, you know – might be the sneakiest move out of all of them for them because it locks in a lefty in the rotation. R.A.P. David Peterson again, but a lot it locks in, um, Kenton. It locks in the lefty, a guy that's it seems like perennially is just underappreciated, but he just gets it done and gets it done. Pitched on a really good, um, t- a couple teams last year before he got traded, uh, St. Louis and company, but just effective, man. The strikeouts went down a bit last year, but in doing so, his ratios were phenomenal. So he goes to, to the Mets as the number five in that rotation. The pitching depth in New York is tremendous. We've said that before about other teams, but to start the year, it's tremendous. So Quintana to the Mets. Again, Peterson, Miguel out for now.
2: Yep, and for Quintana himself, like that, that's a, that's a great move. Just that combination of park, of bullpen, and of run support. like That's, that, that's going to help uh Quintana is funny like Quintana made 32 starts last year and (laughs) this is actually kind of wild um since we're focusing more and more on wins this offseason a 293 ERA and
1: 32 starts you probably have it in front of you how many wins like should that get you on paper uh Jordan Montgomery would say that should get you about 13 wins (laughs) at least yeah. Um, Jose Quintana had a losing record with a
2: 293 ERA. He had six wins and seven losses. So, like, if he put a 290, if Jose Quintana, I don't think he's going to do a 293 ERA again. But I mean, that's a different conversation. But maybe he's like a mid threes type of guy, which is still fine. Um, I think even if Quintana's ERA goes to mid threes with the Mets, that's probably 10, 11
1: wins. So, um, that's a big one for Quintana's value. Let's have some fun here. This is what happens when we talk on the show, about down rabbit holes. I mean, we might have a part two segment next week for the rest that we miss here. But you you threw Quintana's out there, and people might forget. You started with Pittsburgh, went to St. Louis. So you'd expect some improvements. But with St. Louis, August 4th on, made 12 starts, Ryan. Now, do you have this in front of you? Because if not, I have some questions for you. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. 201 ERA during those starts. Yeah, look at um, that. I, now I have it. A three and two record in 12 starts, so he still couldn't get what you'd expect a two zero one ERA and got three whole wins in 12 starts. It's crazy, yeah, that's man. wild. That's not, but he's pretty much going five innings almost every start outside of a couple, two run runs or less in every single outing. Not all starts went super deep, but at least two run runs in each start. Um, he's he's a baller, man, and he's just kind of underappreciated. And He's one of those kind of late round, late turn round. Again, he hasn't shown this kind of ratio support his entire career. I'm not going to say that, but I think this is who he is now. He kind of sacrificed the strikeouts, and he's more of a a pitcher. And this is, I think, what we can expect with him with the Mets. I think so. My sense. It's there.
2: just funny. Like, and just I'm kind of like learning. We're learning together. We're learning on the fly. Like, I I look at Quintana's line last year and say, oh, he was lucky. But I'm only focusing on the the things that we've traditionally looked at: ERA, BABIP, that kind of stuff. He was actually really unlucky with the wins and that yep. matters
1: just as much as era so big time like there's a lot to like here and you know k to walk 13.3 like literally throughout his career he dropped his strikeout rate a lot but his, his walk rate yeah. came down and he is it's all living it's all about the limiting the contact stuff so it's going to be interesting to see like his barrel rate was down to 5.5 after an 11.9 the year before hard hit rate that 35.8 that's the best since 2017 for him so he did a great job of locating and limiting the damage, which when you get older, that's a great philosophy. That's Glavin and company. So something to think about. Or just uh, in general, limit the damage. Limit He'll the damage, work. story of my life. Um, <laughs> on to the St. Louis Cardinals here. This will be a fun one Qu- Quintana's former team. They made a big splash. You know, they have Goldie. They have Arenado. Bring in division rival Wilson Contreras. To the club big boy move here. I like this one quite a bit. Uh, you know, we always say the ballpark's not great there. Well, Goldie did just fine. Arnold did just fine. I think um, I think Contreras will do his thing. In reality, it's probably more of a lateral move, just a better lineup around him, but he's still gonna be one of the top five or six catchers in fantasy baseball, at least during draft season. Yep, and I mean
2: Similar like I Verlander. Your, I didn't
1: mean to steal your line. I just saw it right now. I didn't even see that. No, you're good. Like I,
2: I, I mean, this is something where like nothing really changes. I mean, I agree with everything you said. And if you were drafting Wilson Contreras early in draft season, you know he was going to get signed by somebody, um, and so he was being drafted as a full time catcher, and he is. So, um, yeah, you nailed the point on like it's pretty neutral, but hitting in probably in front of or right behind. Either way, even if if it's before. Goldie and Arenado that's runs galore. If it's after it's RBI galore. So it's just the shape of that distribution looks a little bit different. Um, Jan Gomes is kind of a sneaky second catcher. I mean, we're going back to your wheelhouse here, Bubba with, with sneaky second, second catchers. I appreciate appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. I got to Got to keep rubbing that in. Um, I mean, Jan Gomes is as of now, the guy with the Cubs and, if you need a second catcher, there you go. And, and I guess Andrew Nisner was going to be the St. Louis guy. And it's kind of weird. Like he's being groomed by Yachty to, to take, to take over the throne once he retires. And then they bring
1: in the guy from, from the Cubs.
2: No, never mind. So.
1: Um, and I love the Gomes shout out there because he's a guy I wrote up even this year, the black book that uh, he's pretty much an ALN only guy. Cause you'd expect the Cubs to bring someone in, but if they don't, he's been more than serviceable. In a full time role or a leading catcher role, I should say. Yep. So, in your deeper leagues, like that's a dude that all of a sudden, 15 team leagues, catcher two, there's an, it's an option, especially with Ryan Jeffers off the board. And I will get to that in a minute. Like Gomes can kind of slot up there as another later round option and uh, and go from there. But I like that quite a bit. Xander Bogarts just mentioned him earlier because Carlos Correa, if you missed it to San Francisco giant for the next 13 years, folks (laughs) Um, Xander Bogarts goes to the San Diego Padres division rival. I will not have to think about that for the next 13 years. So that'll be fun. Um, Yeah. Xander Bogarts goes to the Padres. So it's like you got Machado, you got Bogarts, you got Soto potentially Tatis and much, much more. They just keep adding. It's like the old joke. It's like a slow pitch softball team. We can never have enough home runs. Or at least enough offense. So, what's your thoughts on Xander in San Diego? Just looking at the because I forgot what Xander's details
2: were. So, eleven year, two eighty to to Chris. I'm,
1: I'm just rub, I'm just
2: twisting the knife yeah. a little bit yeah. at this that's point. That's why Bubba. I made that. That's why I made that comp early on. I'm like,
1: why did we not just sign Xander Bogarts? Like, what are we doing here?
2: He's, he's older, isn't he? I don't care. He's, he's more consistent over he's a longer one year. period. He's of time. one year older. Come on, Bubba. I'm trying to throw you a f- bone here. So he'll he would have been gone at age forty. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um Bogart's like so yes, the Padres lineup is is great and and from a fantasy aspect, I'd much rather have Bogart's in San Diego than back in Boston. The one thing that I pause, and I know Bogarts isn't a, a major stolen base guy, but we talked about this a lot with Juan Soto. When Soto came over with the Padres, he stopped running completely. I wonder if stolen bases are no longer going to be part of that package for Bogarts in San Diego. So that's the only thing that I would kind of look at. A um, couple just quick kind of fallouts of it. Like One sneaky guy who I had in the forecaster who put up uh, double-digit homers and bags last year was Haseon Kim. He probably loses, at least initially. Again, like, like we talked about with Peterson, with with the Mets. Um, this is all very subject to change once injuries start piling up. But ha Kim, probably out of a regular role right now, slides into more utility. And then there's ripple effects on Boston's side, right? Like Trevor Story, I think you can draft him assuming he'll be a shortstop, um, that he'll gain in-season shortstop eligibility quick, like in April. Yeah, so... Uh, We talked about that a little bit in the Gladiator, which doesn't really matter for Gladiator, but for your for your drafts coming up with benches and that sort of thing. um, Trevor Story is going to go back to being second base shortstop eligible. And then like Christian Arroyo, if Boston does nothing else, Christian Arroyo is probably someone who is getting playing time at second base. So something to think about there.
1: I love the Arroyo call because that he, I don't think people realize just how sneaky good he was in deeper leagues last year. I picked him up in a lot of waiver wires. He had a ton of eligibility last year. Let me try to find out real quick here on the old NFBC ADP. He played, um, he kind of got screwed. Oh, well, he only got second base. Yeah. Um, so,
2: but he got, Palmer. he played, but he, you're right. He did play every, he played nine at first base. Yeah. Arroyo played 10 at third, 14 at shortstop, and 17 in the outfield. So if you're like in a, 10 game eligibility league. And Yahoo he's,
1: he's playing all over the place for you. And
2: Yahoo's everywhere. Even in 10 gamers, he's second, third, short, and outfield. But in your your standard 20 gamers, he's only second, and that's not gonna change. So that yeah. that kind of sucks. But I mean it's still Arroyo sneaky guy. And this is like the thing. I mean, everyone focuses on Bogarts. You focus on the high name, the all the dollars. Look at the guys who are who who are filling in that 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 yep. door open for them. I mean Arroyo, 280 at bats last season, hit 286, six homers, five
1: steals, like that. It's gonna and look play. at the look at the the strikeout percentage went to 16.3 career 20, 20 yep. 40 before 20 before that, like that's big to me for see from a young guy. Uh, he's got the pedigree, and you know, he's a former Giant prospect. And there's lots of hopes there. So maybe it's one of those. You know, he's there's was his age 27 season. He's starting to get comfortable at the plate. Uh, barrel rate, 6.4. He's always been a decent barrel guy, but the max EV, best of his career last year. Hard hit rate, best since the kind of quasi-2018, if you want to buy that sample size of what took place there in Tampa Bay. Um, there's a lot to like there with the Royals, so I think that's a, a really good point. It's and, and the way the Red Sox
0: are not really spending money, it might be his job. I don't see them... Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Potentially doing a ton to ruin that. Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but um, I think they're going to give him a good run. Why not? He's 28. See what he's got and see if you have to move on because you, you either signed Devers or let him go and you're redoing the whole thing. So uh, it could get interesting. I like the Arroyo one quite a bit. He would actually move up the boards a little bit for me. We did talk second base being deeper than we expected during the Gladiators. So you don't have to, like force it, but in your deeper formats, especially AL only, like that's a really nice little spot there to look for Christian Arroyo. ADP
2: right now in Draft Champions is five eight, over five hundred. So yeah,
1: that's going <laughs> to that's going to go up. But yeah, when we record next Thursday, I'd be willing to say. Closer to 500, maybe 475. He's going to get a boost, I think. Because I think, I, yeah, that's just my two cents. He's getting locked in, I think. So we'll wait and see. Kimley Jansen, speaking of Boston, not doing much. They did sign a closer. I am going to say I will give them that much credit. They went and got Kimley Jansen, which was music to all of our ears. I was always one that said, oh, Glacius is the closer in Atlanta. They would not have traded for Glacius to not make him the closer the following season. I've been proven wrong many times, but I feel a lot better now seeing that take place. Uh, There's also rumors of Jansen going to the Giants. Didn't see that ever happening, to be totally honest. But um, that did not happen. And he went to Boston, a team that did need a closer. Cody Martin came in good. Jansen probably better. Um, So at worst, you know, bad starting rotation. Okay, bullpen now in Boston.
2: Yeah, I mean, at least we have one more bullpen with a closer. Like a full-time closer, that just <laughs> our collective sanity as as ba- fantasy baseball drafters, we we do have that. Um, so yeah, like there's not really much. I mean, Jansen is who Jansen. There was a lot of talk at first pitch about Jansen as as a pitch clock guy. That's going to be interesting. He takes his time out there, and he's not going to be able to do that um, next season. And he's older, setting his ways. Let's see how that affects him. But yeah, like from a closer standpoint, um, he's there. And for me, like, I know you said you didn't buy into the, the Giants rumors, um, but it is just nice to have that pretty much locked yeah. down that Duval is probably going to be the guy, and especially Iglesias. Like, I, I, I took Iglesias in the third round of our Gladiator last week, um, and a lot of that was because I feel he's the guy with, 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 with Kenley not a threat anymore. So that, that was the big takeaway for me was those other jobs where there were teams that may have signed Kenley, um that's now off the board so it just
1: solidifies them a little bit more for sure so the Houston Astros big move here I'm a big fan of this I'm gonna let you have the floor first before I uh maybe steal some more bullet points from here but uh Jose Abreu uh going to Houston taking place of Yuli Gurriel which is a big time upgrade Abreu coming off what some may seem a down season based on his ADP a lot think that well, this could be one of the value spots in the draft right here with Jose Abreu, but what do you think about him going to Houston?
2: I mean, there's really no <laughs> However you slice this, it's really hard to say this is
1: this is not a,
2: you know, this is a great move <laughs> for Jose Abreu, yeah. like just going into yep. that lineup, that park, yada yada. Um the one thing I will say about Abreu is 27% fly ball rate second half last season like that that is an issue and that that if if he keeps pounding the ball on the ground like he did last year park's not going to do anything with that so that that is one thing to, to keep in mind but um i don't know this is a guy who has hit 30 home runs in 2021 and 2019 heck he hit 19 in the shortened season of 2020 so like i think 2022 last year that power outage especially in the second half is the outlier um, and so this, this move helps even more. I wonder if it's just trying to think of a, a couple other, um, kind of upshots to this. I wonder if it keeps Kyle Tucker down in the yeah. order. Um, I don't know if that's enough to move the needle. Like I still like Kyle Tucker around like fifth overall in 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 drafting holes next year. Um, but just, I don't know, one of those little ripple effects that, uh, may or may not get talked about.
1: Yeah, and the thing with the Abreu as well, you mentioned the fly ball percentage going down. His fly balls overall for the season, lots of opposite field fly balls as well, something he has to adjust to with, for the power, especially with the Crawford box. That'd be big. Um, but you look at like, the hard hit rates and all the metrics that show quality of contact, that's still fine. He still hits for average even last year. I ain't too worried about it, I'll be honest, especially in that lineup. So yeah. I'm with you there. Flip side, though, Chicago now, it locks Andrew Vaughn into first base, which is big, and more importantly, locks Eloy Jimenez into the DH role. <laughs> No the more offenses unless he, unless he really screws up there. But I, I, I wrote about it earlier this offseason. I know people, uh, curlin and others, tweeted about it, and many have. Once he came back from his injury and primarily DH'd, dude was good. Really, really good. And uh, it's just something about getting him out of his own way. Now, I, and I don't see the White Sox making moves. Like, this should be Vaughn at first and Eli and DH. I think that's big for both of them, obviously, because it's going to lock. Vaughn's thing that always bugged me is the inconsistency in, consistency in playing time between the outfield and the first base now he's back to his college position he can do his thing phenomenal like pro hitter like really good hitter now you got Eloy at DH those are big upgrades for both of them if they can stay locked into that spot in the middle of the White Sox lineup that's a another perk to Abreu being gone for good yep
2: I mean I, I had the Eloy box in or I did or either Brian Rudd did but either way on my on my team and we threw an upside 40 home runs on him uh for this year like that second half when he was back and ready to go, um, mm-hmm. Eloy was was fantastic. And it, I, I remember back to – this is in no way a victory lap. But, like, I, I just I – lo- I look back. I did a show of hands at First Pitch Arizona. Um, how many people thought Eloy or think Eloy is injury-prone? And pretty much the entire room <laughs> raised their hands. Yep. And that may or may not be the case. I don't know. But with Eloy, like, it was different body parts the last two years. And he finished – i'll repeat this all all off season long you finish the season healthy and you feel this strong so um yeah this only this only helps uh bubble wrap eloy and, and and and
1: put him higher on my board for sure with you there let's go to the big one that took place on monday it's tuesday on monday december 12th there's been rumors of sean murphy trades forever even during the trade deadline last year well, it finally happened. Three-team trade. We'll kind of start with each player, but we'll start <laughs> here. Sean Murphy goes to Atlanta, where Travis Darnode is still in Atlanta. We'll talk about the other catcher that's gone shortly, but even in Atlanta last year with De'Arenode and Contreras, they both played well over 100 games. They dh They got the job done. So now Murphy slots in there, and Ryan, we talked about it a few weeks ago. What made him even more valuable is the dude played and played and played in Oakland. Now it's curious to see how this goes. You'd imagine he still plays plenty, but does the potential downgrade in playing time, but better lineup and park offset yeah. each other? That's the million dollar question.
2: Yeah. And that's almost like a valuation kind of thing. I almost want to, yeah, I want to run that number. And cause I, I do think the, the, the parks better, the team's better, the, the rate stats, even the counting stats may improve, but I don't think he's playing 148 games again. I mean, I think, I think that was 130. just Oakland. Like one thirty is the goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that that would make sense. It, that just puts him down more like in the, I don't know, like a regular catcher. There's so many catchers that also did other things last year uh, that have that jump over guys who only play catcher like Murphy probably. Well, more. I mean, maybe he'll DH some. But, but yeah, I think overall it's the market probably says it's a good move for Murphy. I would say it's it's neutral just because I don't see – I see Oakland playing him far more than Atlanta will.
1: Yeah, Steamer has him for 133 games, 21 homers, 69 runs, 73 RBIs, hitting 246, pretty darn close to his line last year. Oh, pretty darn cool. close to his line in Oakland last year. So that uh, kind of goes what you're saying there. You know, the fewer at-bats, better team it might kind of neutralize out. But also what you said there, I think in drafts he's going to get a bump. That will probably take him out of any consideration for me especially with the next – well, I guess we'll hit on it real quick. What do you think this does to Travis Darren? I might as well mention it because he's still getting drafted um, relatively high, not like super high, but um, ADP of 192 right now. He's like the top top, top 15 catcher. So Um, it could be interesting. Yeah, he's going right above
2: uh, Kiebert Ruiz, who obviously does have – a full time gig in Washington. I did see something where um, Alex Anthopoulos <laughs> talked to Darno before the trade and assured Darno he'll get regular playing time at designated hitter. Take that for yeah. what's for what that's worth. I I don't I don't know I don't know if Darno's their regular DH. I I think it pushes it pushes him down quite a bit. I thought there was more of a timeshare there when it was William Contreras and Travis Darno. I think that goes to more of like a split in favor of Murphy. Especially
1: because Murphy's a very good defensive catcher as well. Exactly. So that's going to keep him out there for sure. All right. Let's go to the one that made me smile and smile and smile. I've been drafting him a lot. Free Willie. William Contreras goes to the same division as his brother now, close to the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, we're talking good ballparks to hit in. Milwaukee's pretty darn good to hit in. Now he's going to be the everyday dude, either at catcher or potentially DH. Um, it'll hit in the middle of the order that, you know, you still have Yellich, you have Adamas, Rowdy's doing his thing, and he picked up Winker. Like, this is very entice- – the Braves line still better. I'm not going to pretend it's not. But now you got no one in Williams' way. This could be a dude that plays easily 130 games if he stays healthy, if not more. He played 97 last year and hit 20 bombs and hit 278. Like, this dude – should play 130-plus, in my opinion. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I love it for him. Because, like look, we were just talking about with with Darno, I thought it was a 50-50 split. And now for Contreras in Milwaukee, I think it's much more than that. And, yeah, the dude, like, he he he, he does, has a little Vlad Jr. in him. I listened to the uh, mm-hmm. show with Toby with, uh, you know, the, the Tour of Shame round two. He does have something. I got that elite power, but also a 53% ground ball rate last year for Contreras. So like I do, he, he needs to tweak that a little bit, but man, the guy can hit, I don't, I don't know if he'll hit 275 again. I think we're projecting like 255, 260 at HQ, um, but give the guy, I mean, he's 25, like get, give him a chance to get settled, play every day. Um, I, I think it works wonders for William Contreras's value. I want to throw this back to you as, as the catcher, Catcher guy, William Contreras, 145 ADP. He's going behind. Would you take him over, Tyler Stevenson?
1: Yes, yes, yes. You're yes. not a big Stevenson. I have, right? what I about? have Contra- Contreras. Contreras is ca- I'll help you out here right now. Um, he's like my fifth ish catcher right now. Okay. I before the trade, I had him at six. I moved him above his brother. So
2: you have him higher. Okay. That was, that's what I was going to ask. Is, is yeah, you no, Bob Wilson. It, it, Damn, it's for so you. Much. Are
1: you are. Yeah. Well, I'm all in on William. I've been drafting him everywhere. He had an eight, He was like the ninth or tenth catcher off the board when I started drafting. This is where not drafting a bunch of teams early is really going to bug me. Like, I, because now I'm going to have to pay the yeah. price. But it's like it's JTR, Varsho, Will Smith, Salvi, and then William for me. And wow. William and Salvi is very close. I could almost tell myself to take William over Salvi as well. So. Yeah. So you'll have plenty of them. I think even even once the market adjusts to this move, I, you, you're still going to be – you'll have plenty of them. Yeah, there's certain guys I get bullish on and people think I'm crazy, but that's part of making your own yeah. rankings and standing your ground, and he's a guy that I believe yeah. is yep. 130 games. I believe there's just like 30-plus homer potential. It's crazy.
2: That's funny. I have him – or, sorry, HQ has him
1: sixth, yep. number six catcher. Well, there's a reason that's HQ right. actually – tells me i can write for him so i like a little bit of something <laughs> going on there <laughs> because of your catcher prowess yes so. i'm telling you i wish i could spend that much time on every position i might actually win a main event or something yeah i uh, no, know that requires fab another 26 weeks out of the year never mind i just need to draft best balls need um, more bubbles. there we go a lot more uh let's talk about the a's though man man scott jenstead we love you brother we love you your twitter It's fun. I hope the Warriors start winning games for you. That's all I'm going to say. Niners are doing great. Niners are doing great. But the A's are doing A's things, and they uh, shipped off Sean Murphy and got a kind of mediocre return compared to many. But they did get Estieri Ruiz out of Milwaukee, which kind of frees up some other guys in Milwaukee with Mitchell and Weimer and and Frolic and stuff potentially throughout the season. But Ruiz should get to play pretty much every day for Oakland, Ryan. And and if people don't know, it's like Forrest. He runs and runs and runs so what do you think about str ruiz in oakland
2: yeah this is like the the jonathan vr effect like just get a guy who runs and isn't the best real life player but put him on a team that i mean oakland doesn't really care and oakland's i i think oakland when we saw what oakland did with starling Marte (laughs) when he came over that second half of i guess 2021 it was just unbelievable and i i think um I think Ruiz is gonna have that leash. I mean, can he get on base enough? I I, I think that's the question. Can he is the hit tool there? I, I think that's a question as well. But um this is a guy who last season hit, let's see, 15 home runs in the minors and stole an ungodly amount of bases. So, like, I don't know, a steamer projection of 243, 10 home runs. And 35 steals i don't know if that's been updated since oakland i could see him going 45 50 steals honestly he he doesn't need to be good to play every day and um i I think he's gonna run
1: like crazy yeah people talk to like the lack of power we know that just get on base and he hit for a decent average throughout the minors so there's a little bit of hope there for sure so um yeah that's fun i'll mention one more name here that we don't have down but kyle moeller comes to oakland uh once a pretty high pitching prospect for the Braves, pitched really well in the minors. I believe he um I saw a tweet actually he led the um what are they international league or Atlantic League, whatever their triple A is down there, led it in strikeouts. First uh, Braves pitcher to do that since Kyle Wright. You might have heard of him before people. Um but he struggled in his time with the Braves, which we've seen a lot of young pitchers do. But he goes to Oakland, very pitcher friendly ballpark. Um, gonna get a chance to pitch because why would they not throw him? And he's got an ADP close to 500 right now, Ryan. Yep. So is there any interest in a guy like Kyle Muller? Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with the park. I mean, the team team wise, you're not gonna get him any
2: wins, not getting much run support there. But that park is such is such a boon to pitcher value that Kyle Muller and the ADP will go up, but with the pedigree that you mentioned, um Bubba, I know he's like 25 now, but um that's he, he still owns that. So um absolutely a dart I would throw. Uh, you just—you never know, dude. Six seven, two fifty. He's a house. He's, He's a huge. house.
1: He's a big dude. He'd make me feel tiny. Yeah. That says a <laughs> yeah. lot. That says a, a lot. That yeah, um, says a lot, folks.
2: But yeah, man, Oakland. Uh, just—it—it it sucks to be an Oakland fan.
1: Yeah, you know, Go-
2: like I, I, they're just setting things up. I think to move, but and- well, they have to. They're basically sucks. forcing
1: baseball's hand. Like, hey, you guys don't want to let us move? Well, we're going to make the worst possible team. You can-. This is literally the movie Major League in real life. They already, they already <laughs> made, they already yeah. made Moneyball. Now we're going to make Major League the the prequel. This is what's happening right here. They need the, the lady to be in the in the clubhouse and all this stuff. Like this is Major League. Where's Roger Dorn? Where's Jake Taylor? Like this is where it's happening. I think we'll get to Jake Taylor and Roger Dorn at the end of the, at the end yes. of the show. I, <laughs> That's well, Carney Lansford. And enough for those <laughs> throwback guys right there. Ru- Ruiz is Willie Mays Hayes for sure. Yes, for sure. We're like, who is this guy? You run like Mays, but you hit like, okay, I'll leave yeah. it alone. But I, one of my favorite <laughs> movies, I can quote the whole thing. So classic, it's a classic movie. Um, speaking of teams though, that do spend a lot of money opposite of the Oakland A's, go back to New York to the Mets. Brandon Nimmo, big boy deal, long-term deal. When I just thought about that, makes me feel a little better about Carlos Correa. I'll be totally honest, because Nemo has not stayed healthy in most of his career. But what he does, OBP greatness, top of the order, really good defender. There's that part to like, but man, he, like literally, I know you'll talk about the stats here, but um, we don't see a lot of consistent play year in and you're out from Brandon Nemo.
2: He did have 673 plate
1: appearances last year, so he did. Can can you can you can you add the previous three seasons together? (laughs) You can add by chance. (laughs) You can add 20 and
2: 21 together, and I think that's a little bit less than 673. So I do, I do hear you. Um, (laughs) I mean, fantasy wise for Nemo, I, I I mentioned this a little bit last show, but. He's a much better real life player than fantasy, just like you mentioned with Bubba, with the OBP, with the defense in center field. I've seen studies that actually rate this contract actually pretty well over time from a real baseball standpoint. Um, from fantasy wise, I don't, I don't think it really moves the needle in terms of anything. So um, I don't know. Not much changes if you're Brandon Nimmo. Uh fan in fantasy there probably aren't that many just because he walks so much and i always say i always say guys who walk a lot in fantasy it doesn't do much for me i know like from a long term and like prospect angle you want to see guys who are patient and take walks but from a pure fantasy standpoint it really doesn't do much for you unless you run a lot um that's that's the only kind of caveat to that Brandon Nimmo getting on base. He doesn't run a lot in those 673 plate appearances last year. Brendan Nimmo had three steals. Um, so him getting on base, maybe it's a few more runs here and there, but I'd almost rather him <laughs> be more aggressive at the plate, put some more of those yep. balls in play.
1: 100% with you on that one. We'll see how it plans out. Better real life move, as you said, than potentially fantasy wise Boston Red Sox. They were at it again. And this is another deal that was not at that expensive. Seemed very, very intriguing. Massa. Taka Yoshida signs with the Boston Red Sox. Not bad. Very, very good hitter. I need to know because I drafted him literally like 30 minutes before he signed that one day. I know. That was like the biggest luck thing in the world. But dude's got really good OBP skills, some decent power, and he's done it year in and year out in Japan. We'll see how it translates in the bigs. Roster Resource has him leading off for Boston, so we'll see.
2: Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I, I just, I wonder fantasy-wise, and again, I, I don't have much background knowledge on 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 him at all on Yoshida at all but did slash 336 450 OBP last year um and slugged 560 and 20 plus homers in each of the last two seasons overseas so like that's there but yeah all the scouting reports kind of say he's OBP guy rate guy I don't know about the power and steal. so like I almost I don't know I wonder if he's I wonder if like someone like Alex Verdugo is the comp someone maybe like yeah. who compiles 15 to 20 homers, but also get you that really good batting average um, from what I've seen. I, I wish he ran more in overseas and, and maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe Boston will unlock that a little bit more. I don't, I don't know what the raw speed looks like, but from a fantasy angle, I think that's kind of his path to value. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be there or not.
1: Yeah, I could see that for sure. I think it'll be interesting. I've heard the Verdugo comp, A couple of plays, I think it's very good. I think it's a very valid one from the profile we're seeing. I I came up with that Um, today, so I don't know. Well, it's because that's that's why you're a former baseball writer of the year. So um, you're good at that kind of stuff. Um, But like Tim McLeod, I asked him immediately because he's an expert in in the Japan and and Asian markets, and he basically said the guy's going to hit probably 280, 85, 20 to 25 home runs. And so it's kind of like what you're thinking. He's going to be very, very productive, might not light the world on fire, but a really good fantasy, uh, like maybe your third or fourth outfielder on your roster nothing wrong with that at all so problem is helium will probably come up in drafts because boston new shiny toy that. yeah the, the
2: the the additional thing that just popped in and we talked about how bad outfield was last <laughs> last week in the gladiator is like i mean this is a guy who sticks out in you know yeah. when you need that third or fourth outfield like you were just Big saying time. how many of those guys are going to lead off <laughs> Not many yeah. you're, you're looking Tremendous at more point. like power guys who platoon
1: at that stage in the draft and outfield so that's a good point yep all right, hey, look at Brewers, another trade. The, the uh, Look at Mariners, another trade. Like, we can do it together here. Mariners and Brewers meet up. Colton Wong goes to the Mariners. We'll start with that one. Like, I've always been a Wong fan. I believe you've been a Wong fan, too. He's got, you know, power-speed combo, hits for an okay average. You get towards sort of the top of the order. Kind of crappy to me going to Seattle because ballpark shift ain't great. Um, they're already saying the play platoon with Dylan Works. He does not hit lefties that great. And so you're losing a little viability, but at the same time, should still get you, you know, 10 to 15 homers and 15 or so stolen bases. But I, I don't like the idea of the platoon in Seattle.
2: Yeah, I f- think, and I could very well be wrong on this. I I think Seattle's going to give Colton Wong not everyday playing time, but I think it'll be more than a platoon. I think they'll definitely play him against lefties. I don't think he's an automatic bench against lefties. Colton Wong for his career has a, actually a pretty good contact rate against lefties, a 654 OPS, which isn't good but it's not like awful awful. Last year he was terrible against lefties, but it was 80 at bats. Like you really can't yeah. take that much away from it. So I I know I I will recognize that there's some playing time risk with Colton Wong going to Seattle and like you said Bubba the park um is a problem but i don't know dylan moore isn't really that great dylan moore is also like a utility guy who plays everywhere um so i could see a lot of times where dylan moore is in the lineup against the lefty but it's not at second base and colton wong is playing second base so i like i i like it for colton wong just i think he's going to hit into the top of that order i took colton wong in our gladiator last uh last week um maybe the power takes a little bit of a hit going to seattle but i think he'll run and i think he gives you that kind of modest five category production at an adp of 239 which is um pretty palatable
1: and the other thing to mention i i kind of agree with you at least i think it'll be like 75 25 for wong playing time potentially And one of the big reasons is an elite defender, gold glove defender at second base. And you look at this Mariners team, which is already loaded offensively, so they don't have to sacrifice to get another bat in there but they got this pitching staff of Gilbert and Kirby, these young arms. Mm-hmm. Last thing you want to do is put bad defenders behind them so they can get tilted on the mound and get blown up. Like, so you put, you trade for a long cause you already got the bats in place. And I think that's something to add to it. That might keep him in the lineup, like you're saying. So maybe he leads off first righties and hits farther down versus lefties, but he's still in the lineup. Either I think way, that's, that yes, I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. That's a, yeah. I, I think so. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee though, on the flip side, this could be what Jesse Winker needs. Like, we knew what he did in, uh, in Cincinnati. It was horrific in Seattle. Injured a lot, just couldn't hit. Goes back to the central, hits in the middle of a lineup that a much better hitting ballpark for him than Seattle was. There were some weird reports coming out of Seattle that he like he wasn't like a team player, didn't want to partake and stuff. That's concerning a bit. Um, never really heard that in Cincinnati, though, so who knows? But uh, Winker back in Milwaukee um, can't do anything but help him a bit, right? Right. Uh, he needed – Winker needed to get out of Seattle. That's a
2: good point about like, yeah, n- none of those, not rumors, but those kind of tea leaves coming out that he was not a bad teammate, but just didn't kind of want to be there. That that wasn't the case in Cincinnati, at least publicly, but it, it seemed to be the case in Seattle. Like he was getting, Winker was getting dealt no matter what. So I don't know. The I mean, you could the the the, the pessim the pessimistic view. Of Jesse Winker is yes he was great in 2021 he's been traded now this will be his third team in three years like do you want that on your on your team um, The the optimistic point of view is you basically write off 2022 as an injury fueled disaster. And you're looking at what we saw in 2021 with Jesse Winker, where he hit 300 and hit 24 home runs. I don't think that's going to happen again. Like Cincinnati's a great park, um, and so I, I don't know if that happens again. But I also don't know if he plays against lefties. That's that's the problem too. I think a platoon is the getting there as well. So yeah. I don't
1: know. That could be a Keston here at Jesse Winker platoon. <laughs> yep. yep. Nope. That's like that's a that's a. Perfect platoon relationship. Yep, it is. In baseball terms, that's how it should be, actually. So we'll see how that plays out. Flip side, I don't know if we have a ton on it, but Abraham Toro maybe takes Jace Peterson's spot there on the team. Like Toro's got some upside, but it's not like we, I think a lot of us thought there was more there, and it just hasn't happened yet. Yep, agreed.
2: He's, he's, He's a backup guy with a pretty limited homer, stolen base ceiling. So I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe late, late DC, but that's about it. Okay, we'll do. I'll make the executive decision. We'll do a couple more, and we'll rotate the rest off till next Thursday's show, and add on the Carlos Rodon signing to the Yankees and many other ones (laughs) that that will that will come up. Um, because God, if the Giants do him long term too, you might lose me. Just gonna throw it out there right now. Um, if that's just, I could see it coming now. Uh, Let's go to Chris Bassett. I like this is a guy I'd have been cool with the Giants signing. Chris Bassett goes to the Toronto Blue Jays, a team that needs pitching depth. And it's just a big, big move here. he so you got Manoa, you got Gossman, Barrios. You have to imagine looks a little better hopefully next year. Same with Kikuchi. Now you throw Bassett in there. They needed another guy behind Gossman and Manoa, And Bassett's just that steady Eddie, not overly – like he's kind of boring to the eye. But when you look at his numbers at the end of the year, the dude is what you want, especially as your third starting pitcher in a rotation, let alone a fancy pitcher. He's phenomenal. It's like I wanted him in, in San Francisco badly. And you didn't get him, man. Didn't get him. Yeah, and we'll get to who we got next week. Yeah. Let me tilt on that a little, little longer. Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: I think Steady's the the way to go with Bassett. Yeah, 160 innings in 2021, 180 last year with the Mets. It is kind of that stabilizer that uh, that Toronto needs. I like the – and going – I always think to moving to the AL East is a bad thing for a pitcher, but schedules are more balanced. And if anything, the NL East is – a heck of a lot tougher than any other division, uh, at least next year. Just with the way the Phillies are spending, with the way that the Mets are spending, the way that the Braves are running their show, extremely efficiently. That is a that that's a that's a tough division to pitch in. So, um, least thing doesn't really bother me that much. And yeah, Bassett Bassett's just steady. I was kind of an I was an anti not anti Bassett, but I was off of Bassett coming into twenty twenty two at like the three ERA that he had uh combined the last two seasons heading into last year. Uh, he had some really good home run luck. But I think the 342 ERA that Bassett posted last year, probably pretty reasonable. And you put that with like 180, 170 innings in Toronto, I think he's gonna get uh gonna get plenty of wins for you. Had 15 wins last year with the Mets. Um I would I would think something similar in
1: Toronto. So yeah. When I mean, you look at his profile like again Steady as we've been saying. Innings, starts, ratios, strikeouts, you kind of know who you're getting with Chris Bassett. So yep. I like drafting guys like that. makes me feel a lot better about life. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, they made it official, coming back for his uh, swan song with the Doyers. And um, kind of said it earlier, expects expect probably 130 to 140, but it's going to be pretty good innings unless the back finally gives out. Um, somehow Steamers got him for 163. I'm, I'm hard to believe that happens. when It's been 126, 121, uh, 58. In the shortened 2020 season, and then he was okay from there. But the last couple of seasons, I, I think that's more what you're looking at. Still elite ratios, good strikeout numbers, going to be very strong. And um, you got a whopping ADP of 137. That's the conundrum.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Is like the price. I I mean, so I've got Kershaw down for 120 innings with like a three ra one WHIP. He comes out, as, over 120 innings, he comes out as uh, my 43rd starting pitcher. So I'm probably not getting him. I know from like a pure valuation standpoint, you need to factor in some of that lost time. And then if you're in a league with IL stints, like, I think that absolutely bumps up Kershaw. But I don't know, more of the same. Um, you're just kind of playing with that, that innings pitch number. And you're also playing with that decision that you'll have to make every Sunday night in Fab making sure you have a backup in place for Kershaw basically every week of the season. Cause you don't know when he's going to miss his starts. It's kind of the most frustrating thing. And that's probably why I won't take him either is I value my sanity on Sunday nights to not do that. So,
1: um, hey, so yeah. pro tip: don't don't draft the Grom and Kershaw on the same team. I'm just gonna throw it out there. You're gonna want to just end oh, oh, it all oh, by midseason. Only if you pair it with Luis Robert on the hitting side. Only if you... <laughs> and Tim Anderson, just for fun, <laughs> just for fun. um All right, we'll wrap it up there because a lot of these next pitchers coming up have a lot of similarities. That I think will be fun to talk about, especially come draft season. Got three listener questions to hit up here, and like I said, we'll. uh Power through all these and whatever signings take place come next Thursday to the holiday week ahead. We'll start with little Book of Commerce, buddy. Here says, There have been many, there have been so many mid to bottom rotation guys signing in new places. Who are your two to three most and least favorites? Tim Anderson, Bassett, Stripling, Benaya, Gibson, Tyon, Clevenger, Katana, Walker, Velasquez, Eflin, and Heaney. Um, I'll let you have first dibs though. who are your two to three most favorite? mid-tier guys that signed i think bassett was leaves the list for me but who else you got there
2: yeah i'd say bassett and i'll I'll, i won't copy honestly yeah i like bassett but i I think heaney which we'll talk about next week and quintana i think those are my i was gonna go bassett
1: yeah i was gonna go bassett and quintana i think that's kind of a a good little wheelhouse right there so what about what about least what about least i like where you're going with this you're trying to poke the bear aren't you you're trying to poke the bear here uh you got have to wait till next week for that it's gonna be shamanaya for sure that's gonna be a big least um and then i'm gonna say mike clevenger i think some are way more up on him than i am i think there's something seriously wrong with that boy hmm. interesting
2: um there very well could be I think for me, Tyler Anderson is my least favorite. I think just moving away from the Dodgers is really going to hurt him. And then I'll go, I'll go because we'll hold it for next week. But I'll say Vince Velazquez. I'll say Vince say Velazquez. the Pirates? The Pirates Twitter account today was funny. They did like a. I mean, I mean, it's their social media person, so they have to. It's their job. You have to hype these guys up. They put out a Vince Velasquez hype video and it was um
1: it was it was it was funny. Poor pirates. Uh, a team like the Pirates who aren't going anywhere should have photoshopped his head on top of Joe Pesci's head in my cousin Vinny and made a great <laughs> stick out of it. That's what they should have done. But don't don't tell me I don't know what I'm doing. Just just lean um, into it at this point. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. Have some fun with it. Like seriously. Um Mike Jenray says, "Do you see Winker as the primary DH now that the Brewers have their catcher? Sneaky upside. We kind of hit on it. He's the primary against right-handed pitching. Yeah, yeah. yep. I don't. I don't think Milwaukee's going to play Winker against lefties. It's it's, it's really rough. So." Yeah, that's a tough one. And then we had one come in during the show, and it's uh, it's a question about uh, the Gladiator from Jay Mitz, who drafted with us last week, right That's right. Yep. He says, what do you guys think the winning overall lineup will have in the Gladiator? Six starting pitchers and three relievers, seven starting pitchers and two relievers. I think it's more the seven and two formula, because I think a lot of guys that yeah. only take two, two elite ones or higher end ones, so you have seven pitchers to rack up the other categories. That's my thoughts. Could be totally wrong.
2: Yeah, I think I think seven two, if uh, to win the overall seven two. Because if you've got six, it's just so hard to make gains in wins and strikeouts. I think it's seven two, and I think those two relievers are going to have to be relievers that are late, that you just hit on late. I, I don't know if just by taking like what, what I did, what you did, what we both did, taking an early reliever like that, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't kill you in the overall. Uh, but to be able to get those saves at a cheaper opportunity cost, I think is going to be the play. So I'd go 7-2 two. with two, with two with closers you. that just well, you hit the nuts with two.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Gladiator eventually kind of falls into place and see how it works out because it's not just roster construction as as much as stay healthy, stay on the field. <laughs> Because it's gonna kind of, it's it's wild, it's a wild formula, and it is fun that you have to have at least 125 innings so you can't just go pure relievers and go that route and just punt wins instead. Because you can almost go pure relievers and hope for a couple of guys to get like six wins or something and probably not finish dead last And Like it, it's an interesting format. We don't have time to talk about that tonight, but uh a lot of interesting strategies there. And if you guys missed it, the live show last week, episode 31, where we went over a ton of strategies in in live as we went going there just like that Oh, switch we get that way it was awesome and I we and I'll say it I and I know Ryan I'll speak for Ryan I think unless I'm wrong we really appreciated all the feedback it was cool seeing all you guys uh how much you guys enjoyed it and talked about it it was uh it was fun lots of fun yeah,
2: yeah I think more than even like our normal shows like the feedback was really really good on that one so that was really cool to hear from everyone and just in general it's just awesome to hear Feedback like that on any show. So we put yeah. a lot of time into this and everyone does. But uh it's yeah. always good to hear the folks that are listening and sending in questions and
1: and patting us on the bat. We appreciate it. Yep, yep, we appreciate it. And it and it's since we appreciate it so much, one more episode before the year is over. That'll be next Thursday coming at you guys. We will continue on. We still have like at least, yeah we, we made a, a good a dent dent but but we still have like feels like 20 names to go <laughs> at least and whatever else whatever else takes place this week so we'll become and for any of you that take early holiday we're coming at you midday so get your high noons ready get your lunch come join <laughs> the party we're gonna have a good time so I'll, I'll be
2: it'll be on my lunch of my day job so i probably no high noon but I Who have to go to the dentist man?
1: afterwards, so probably no high news oh, for me. They might they might frown upon that. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that next time. Make sure you guys follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. and check his Twitter or actually check out at baseball HQ's Twitter Wednesday night as Ryan is going live with the godfather himself, Chandler, uh Ray Murphy, and uh, Brent Hershey and others to yeah. uh preview the forecaster. Yep, so.
2: forecasters out and out in the wild. Do you have your copy yet, Baba? It, it got out? dropped
1: off at my house this afternoon because it went to a previous location of mine. Nice. So I don't know what day it came in, but I got it today. Yes, nice. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. I was Actually, like I saw, I saw your tweet by the way, and I saw all the pictures. I was just like, I'm like, when does mine come in? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm still waiting. There's, I've got a, a buddy of mine in the same town in Oregon. He got his like
1: yesterday. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You'd you think you knew somebody you would think you would think you would know somebody but who knows but yeah guys check that out it's always fun to see them talk about it go over some stuff and you got a cool uh uh, forgive me a guest talking about an essay totally just blanked on the name
2: yeah um ed Dakaria is doing an essay and anyone who has the forecaster it uh check it out um he's got an essay on playing time measurement playing time metrics which is really fascinating stuff we spend so much time looking at barrel rates and ground ball rates and fly ball rates. And we kind of take playing time and go, I don't know, 550 played appearances, 520. Um, that stuff matters. I mean, and it, this came up in some of the guys we were talking about with, with like William Contreras, just that minor bump in playing time does so much from evaluation standpoint. And it's something that I don't think the industry as a whole spends enough time on. So Ed did, Ed did some really good research on that and he's going to talk through that. Um, on the live stream Wednesday night. So yeah, check out the baseball hQ Twitter account. We're gonna run it from our YouTube feed. and I'm gonna be playing host. i It's not my normal,, um, not my normal dig. I don't know if I can, there's no way. I'll be as good as you at it but I'm, I'm gonna flip from analyst <laughs> to host and we'll just see how it goes
1: you'd be surprised you picked it up pretty quick so far so i wouldn't be too worried about it and you got a great group to help kind of uh ram run it all together so you guys everybody check that out eight eastern five pacific time on the feeds you'll enjoy that but until then ryan's on twitter at ryan bhq i'm at B D Entric, and we'll catch you guys next week thanks for listening